You guys, I have been waiting to show that video for so long. I found it on YouTube and I just like, I needed an excuse. So we built a series around it. So there you are. We need to watch it again for heaven's sakes. Well, welcome to Arbor, you guys. I'm actually super pumped to be chatting with you today. This is going to be fun. This is going to be exciting. Uh, we're starting a new series uh, today uh, called Splitting Logs. And uh, here's the idea. We're going to zoom in on two specific verses, just two. Two tiny, very obscure verses found in the ever so delightful and happy book of Ecclesiastes, if you've ever read that. And uh, it's about, if you don't know where Ecclesiastes is in your Bible, it's actually halfway through your Bible. It was written by one of the wisest, or who a lot, can, a lot of people consider to be the wisest person to ever walk the face of the earth. His name was Solomon. And here's what Solomon had to say, and here are two verses. Here's his advice. He says, whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. If someone's ax is blunt and the edge isn't sharpened, then more strength will be needed. But putting wisdom to work will bring success. What do you think? Yeah? It's not amazing? You guys are like, that is the best verse I've ever heard in my life. And actually, we are probably thinking, what the heck does this have to do with me? How does this apply? I've never chopped wood in my life. I maybe chopped some broccoli in my kitchen. Um, I chopped my hair off a few years back, and that was a mistake, right? But truly, how does this apply to my life? About the only person I could think of, practically speaking, that this would apply to their life was one of our guys who at this church named Steve. Steve literally for a living falls trees. That's what he does. His nickname is Chainsaw Steve. And so when we're doing this, which is kind of scary, don't you think? Chainsaw Steve. But truly, I was trying to think outside of Steve, this practically, how does this have an application? So here's our challenge. And the challenge is simply this. Every word that is in God's word, that's in the Bible, is there for a reason. God spoke it on purpose for a purpose. And so our challenge today is to just go a little bit closer, look a little bit harder, to unpack and to uncover the purpose, the principle, the point inside of this passage. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to start at the very end of the passage and then work our way backwards. The very end of the passage says, putting wisdom to work will bring success. The word we're going to launch off of is success. Here's what I know. Everyone, everyone I've ever met wants to succeed. I've never met anybody who wakes up inside of the morning and says, you know what? It's a good day. Things have been going too well. I can't wait to get out there and fail, right? <laughs> never met anybody to say that because nobody really wants to fail. We all want to succeed in our way somehow, some shape, some form. But we've all dealt with failure. For example, uh, Russell Wilson on February 1st, 2015. <laughs> Guys, we got to deal with this. We got to deal with this. <laughs> We have to deal with this. He did not get out of bed thinking, I'm going to fail. I'm going to throw an interception on the one-yard line. That was not what he did on that day. We have to deal with it. This was not success. All of us died that day. Did we not die that day? We felt like failures ourselves in that moment. But you know who felt successful? Malcolm Butler. Right? That's right. We boo that guy. Exactly. Malcolm Butler, his success was to get an interception. Russell Wilson, what was the definition of success? Was to throw a reception. What I thought might have been successful was to give the ball to Marshawn Lynch because you're on the one-yard line, you know? <laughs> the one-yard line. So here's the point. We all define success just a little bit differently. What I would consider to be a successful career 
what I would consider to be a successful relationship, a successful life, probably looks just a little bit different than how you would define success. And so success has a variety of definitions, and one of the major definitions that gets played is the culture's definition. Culture has a whole lot to say about what is and what is not successful. For example, take an ordinary man, a good man, a mildly attractive man, okay? Striving to do his best, culture would say that success for him is found in the four Fs, fame, fortune, figure, and fashion. Fame, fortune, figure, and fashion. Let's start with fame. That's the first level of success. Society says that if you're gonna be anybody, you need to be known, you need to be popular, you need to be pursued by the paparazzi, you need to have friends on Facebook and followers on Twitter. That's what culture would say is a level or a measurement of success. Secondly, they'd also say that you need to have fortune, which means you've gotta have the moolah, the cash, the cars, the castle, and a tiny little dog, pocket-sized dog that can easily be beat up by a cat, right? <laughs> Super sad, but it is our measurement of success. Now, that's first. There's fame, fortune, and then there is figure. That's another measurement. You gotta have... I don't know why people laugh at that, Garrett. You gotta have washboard abs, buns of steel, you need to have long eyelashes and big poofy lips. That is a measure of, culture says you need to be the right shape, the right size, have the right curves and the right contours. I'll tell you this, personally, I've got curves, I've got contours, okay? I even have a few detours in my life, all right? Like, they're just in the wrong place, right? So they gotta be in the right place. And that's what culture said would be successful, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with fame, fortune, and figure. You've gotta have fashion as well. Fashion. <laughs> you must dress the part if you want any part of success. That means wearing the right clothes, the right threads, having the right style, and let's be honest, no style is complete without the perfect man bun. Mm. That, my friends, is what success looks like. Right there, that is the perfect picture of success, or at least how culture would say success is. They would say that fame, fortune, figure, and fashion. And maybe today, that's your, that's your version of, of success. Like, that's what you're shooting for. You wanna be famous, you wanna have fortune, you wanna have money, you wanna have the best figure, you wanna have fashion, you want those things. But maybe for you, Success looks a little different. Maybe it looks like getting to church on time because, dang it, you have three kids and that is an accomplishment. You know what I mean? Or maybe it's just par on the golf course or finding a parking space or getting the fastest line at Costco. Success can look a lot different. Maybe for you it's a clean house, uh, a clean yard. Maybe it's a well-trimmed beard. Maybe success for you is being a good friend, Right? or being a faithful husband, or a loving wife, or a good mom, or a good dad. I'll tell you what, that's what I want. Those are big ones for me. <laughs> Not the mom one, but the, uh, <laughs> but the husband and the dad. I want to be a great husband. That's a measure of success for me. I want to be a really, really, really good dad. But truthfully, there are too many definitions of what success should look like. There are so many people, so many opinions, but honestly, there's only one definition that should really matter. One definition of measurement that should make any difference to us whatsoever. 
And that's what Jesus, that's how Jesus defines success. And so how does the most successful human in the history of humanity, what is he considered to be successful? How does he define it? Well, if you look at Jesus, when he was on earth, he basically took what was successful and he flipped it on its head. Truly, he did. So what, other, what people in their, his day, others would call success, he called foolishness. And what they called foolishness, he called sacrifice, serving, faithfulness. And he flipped everything on its head. Look at what he said. He said crazy things like, the last will be first and the first will be last. He said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. He said this too. He said, those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leader should be like what? A servant. At one point, Jesus actually asked a question. He says, who is more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? And then Jesus did exactly what Jesus loves to do, which is he answered his own question. And so he said, the one who sits at the table, of course, like that's common sense. And it's common sense then, it's common sense now. But watch what Jesus does. He says, but not here. Not here, not where I'm at. For I am among you as what? As one who serves. You guys, Jesus himself is the very definition of success. And how did he define himself? He defined himself as a servant. He said this, he said, the son of man, and he's referring to himself in that moment, did not come to be served, which he could have easily done, but to serve. And so what is Jesus telling us? Here it is. Successful people serve. Successful people serve. If you want to be successful in this life, Jesus is saying, take the backwards flipped approach. You should serve. That's what success looks like. Think about this, you guys. Really think about this. On judgment day, the day that we stand before Jesus, that glorious, breathtaking, I can't wait for it day, what are, the two, what, are, what are the words that you want Jesus to say? You want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. So when all is said and done, when everything is over, what is the definition? What is like when all is said and done, what is a job well done? It is good and faithful servant. Successful people serve. Jesus flipped it on its head. Now there are two things if you're a servant that kind of make you or kind of um, mark you as a servant. One of them is that you need a master and the other is that you need a mission. So the master for us, our master is Jesus Christ. He is not a slave driver. In fact, what's beautiful is he is a slave saver. That's what he is. And so we have voluntarily chosen as Christians to make him our master. We have set our wants, our desires down and we've said, Lord Jesus, you are our master. And our good master, who loves us a lot, has given us a mission. He's given us something to do, something to occupy our time. It is called the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? Go, therefore, and make disciples. You guys, that's our purpose. It's what this church is about. We decided not to make up a purpose. We decided to just simply adopt Jesus's, which is make disciples. And so it is a huge mission. It is a huge job. And it is what Jesus is called to do. It is much like chopping through a huge log on your own, 
right? To cut all the way through this. You could use a chainsaw, sure, but you could also use an ax. Now, before we get started here, let's talk safety and let's talk insurance, okay? <laughs> safety first, I'm not even joking. You have glasses if you're in the first four rows, all right? Safety glasses. If I lose this and this flies out of my hands, I don't think glasses are gonna help, but that's what the insurance is for. So here's the insurance. I'm not joking, we have, like, if something goes terribly wrong, there's a policy, there's a safety net, there's a legal loophole here, you ready? <clears throat> Straight out of scripture. Deuteronomy 19, here's what it says. Suppose someone goes into the forest with a neighbor to cut wood. And suppose one of them swings an ax to chop a tree and the ax head flies off the handle, killing the other person. In such cases, the slayer may flee to one of the cities of refuge to live in safety. So what I'm telling you guys, if something goes terribly wrong in the next 10 minutes, I'm out of here. That's all I'm saying. I am gone. Just don't get in the aisle because I'm on my way down. So here's what it is. As a church, individuals, we have been given a large mission, and that mission is to make disciples. And we are supposed to, as individuals, have an impact in that process. We are supposed to go and to love others. We are supposed to love God, right? We are supposed to help those who are hurting, those who need help, the marginalized. We need to go to them. If people are grieving and hurting, we're supposed to comfort them. That's what we are supposed to do, right? We are supposed to live missionally. We are supposed to give generously. We are supposed to attend regularly. We are supposed to, I don't know. We're just supposed to keep going. That's what we're supposed to do. You all right, David? <laughs> Chose the front row today, didn't you? <laughs> I love it. So good. You guys, we're, we're supposed to change the world. That is the mission that we have been given by God. But here's the, here's the deal. There is a danger, my friends. And Solomon talked about it in that verse. Here's what it is. Back in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. Now, when I first read that, I'm like, how is a log dangerous? Because I grew up in the woods, and I used to run around in them all the time, and I was never once bit by a log. It just never <laughs> happened. No log jumped out and attacked me. I didn't quite understand what that verse meant until I saw this video. Check it out. Okay. <laughs> He's fine. <laughs> See? All right. Logs on their own are not dangerous. Okay? They're not dangerous. Uh, so what is he talking about here? Here's the verse. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by him. Here's the danger, the specific danger. If an axe is, or if, if someone's axe is blunt and the edge isn't sharpened, then more strength will be needed. What is the danger? Here's the danger, you guys. Super important. Exhaustion. Fatigue, and the big church word, burnout. Burnout. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about right now, where you serve, 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 and you're exhausted. I had a friend, a pastor friend, once tell me, I loved what he said. He said, I never get tired of ministry, but I do get tired 
in ministry. And I relate to that. With all my heart, I relate to that. There's so many days I come in the office, so many days I come to work, and I just want to take a nap, right? Would it not be nice to take a nap, like right now, if we could all just take a nap? Some of you already are, and I don't let me wake you, okay? <laughs> but truly, to take a nap, to rest, this is absolute true. Burnout is a real danger. And let me just show you my cards. Can I just show you my cards for this whole entire, this is completely open, why we're doing this series. There are individuals inside of this church who have served, 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 and they're in burnout. When we started this church, we started with a core of people, right? There was a core, and that core has been working. Everything you see here has been built by them. Everything has been their hands, from the children's ministries to this room, to the paint on the walls, to the coffee that you're drinking. Truly, they have worked, worked, and served, and they're tired, 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 tired. They need a nap. And here's what I want to say. If you are one of those individuals, you have done an amazing job. And so I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for the self-sacrifice that you have given over and repeatedly over and over and over again. But we have started this church a year and a half ago, and at this point in time, we need reinforcements. We need others to step up and come and help and join these teams that we have created. That's what we need. We need help because these people need a break. So here's the big question. How? How do you avoid danger? How do you avoid burnout and prevent burnout? Because we are all called to serve sacrificially, right? To serve sacrificially, to have an impact for the kingdom. And we're supposed to do this because of obedience. But how do we do it without destroying ourselves in the process? Well, let's look back at our verse. Here's what Solomon says. He says, putting wisdom to work will bring success. What Solomon is talking about here, and if you paid attention, he was talking about sharpening iron, sharpening the blade. He's saying, work smarter, not harder. How many of you have heard that before? Yes. Work smarter, not harder. Be wise about how you work and be smart about how you surf. That's what he is saying. I heard a story years and years ago about a woodcutter who went out and there was, it was hard to get a job and he went to this, this guy, this logger, and he went to the logger and he says, I can chop down wood. So, you know, and this was back before chainsaws and whatnot. So he got his ax and, and, the, and the logger said, go ahead, go for it. So he went out the first day, young, strong man, right? And he cut, cut, cut. He went with all he had. He cut down 18 trees in one day. It's amazing. He fell them all over, came back and says, I got 18 trees down, boss. And the boss was like, wow, that was amazing. That was impressive. Well done. You can come back tomorrow. So he comes back tomorrow. He goes back out. Same strength, same tenacity. But this time he could only chop down 12 logs. Could only get 12. Gave it his best shot. And he apologized when he went back to the logger. and said, I gave it my all, but I'll come back tomorrow. I'll do better. Next day, same thing. Goes out, young man, very strong. Went out there, did all he could. He only knocked down eight trees. He went from 18 to eight. And he went back to the boss and he said, you know what, I'm so sorry. I don't know, I'm trying with all I got. I'm giving it my all, I truly am. And the logger simply said, when was the last time you sharpened your ax? He said, sharpen my ax? When do I have time to do that? I'm chopping trees down. Friends, we gotta work with wisdom. As Solomon says, we've got to put wisdom to work. And so what I want to do for the remainder of our time is I want to talk very, 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 very practical when it comes to serving around here and in this place because we are called to serve. We are called to get through this great commission. 
So here's the first piece right here. Here's the first principle. It was not given to me out of scripture. It was given to me by my dad when I used to chop wood. I used to do this a lot. And what my dad would say is take your first swing. Pick a spot and stick with that spot. That's what he said. Pick a spot. So once you do that, and you right up there, you look back at the mark that you just made, and you hit it again. And then you keep going. And you go back and forth. Watch out, David. At the same spot. Pick a spot and hit it. Just like that, right? Pick a spot. Now here's the danger. You guys gotta catch this. This is huge. Don't forget this. Here's what I see in the church all the time. All the time, right? People look at the, the work that we have to do, and it's good work, you guys. Every swing is great work for the Lord. But they see there's a need over here. I'm like, oh my gosh, they need help at that event. And then they go there and they're like, oh, you need help with children's. I'm coming. Oh my gosh. Oh goodness. Oh, I gotta go on this mission trip. I definitely gotta do that. Oh, gotta be involved in a small group. And then I gotta do this. And I gotta serve coffee. And I gotta do coffee. And then I gotta do the welcome team. And I gotta get out to the parking lot. They might want me to speak, so I gotta prepare for that. I gotta read my Bible. I gotta do all these things over and over and over. And you're helping and you're helping and you're helping. Here's what you're doing. You're wearing yourself out. This is burnout. And I'm tired, actually, so. (laughs) A guy named John Wooden, who was a football coach or basketball coach for uh, UCLA, he said this, never mistake activity for achievement. When you pick a spot and you hit it, the same spot over and over again, you will realize that the impact you're doing, you're making a real dent in God's work. Okay? First principle, pick a spot. What does that mean practically for us? Friends, there's so many places to serve here at this church, but you can't serve at all of them. Choose one and invest your heart and soul into that one thing. You know? Some of you, that's children's ministry. I was just talking to Carla right before. She's like, I'm loving serving in children's ministry. I love hearing that. She picked a spot. She's serving there faithfully. Dude, if I had to choose of any of the ministry teams that are out there, Jared, I'm choosing facilities, man. I want to. I want to scrub the toilets for Jesus. I mean it. I want to vacuum. I want to do what nobody sees me do, right, so that my reward is great in heaven. I want to do the behind-the-scenes stuff. You could serve on media. You can serve on worship. Got to apply for that one. All right, we just don't let anyone up there. For that. <laughs> I've heard lots of people tell me, you know, uh, I was called. I feel everyone, God's called everyone to sing, and I agree with that. But God's not called everyone to hold a microphone while they sing. So, <laughs> so truly, pick a spot, you guys. Pick a spot. Whatever that is, I'm just begging you to pick one. That's all I'm saying. Just pick a spot. Uh, You know, one of the big things right now, one of the big needs that we have, we're about ready to start small groups. Allison needs small group leaders. Those who will, good job. (laughs) Sorry, I'm done with. Allison needs small group leaders. She needs those who will be willing to invest into a small group of people and bring them closer to Jesus and connect them to the community. That's what she needs. We need that. That's what we desire. So wisdom says, 
pick a spot. And here's what else wisdom says. Tackle it together. Okay? We've got to tackle it together. You guys, that is the preference of our church. The, the, the purpose is to make disciples. The preference is that we would do it together. I'm going to tell you this. About 20% of the people are doing almost 100% of the work. That's not good. That's not good at a church our size. I know we're young, but we're, a, like I said, we're a big bone baby. That's what we are, you know? And we need some other people to help, you know, to pick up, the, pick up the weight here a little bit. Solomon says this. He says, two people are better than one, for they can help each other. And here it is. Help each other succeed. When I would chop wood with my dad when I was growing up, and I, I loved it, when we'd fall trees, um, my dad never gave me the chainsaw, but he did give me a job, and we did it together is how we did it. Uh, and the reason we did it together is because at one point in time, my dad actually fell a tree on our house, and uh, it just happened to be my room, and, uh, and so he fell there. So we, we got an idea of how to fall trees without hitting our own buildings, right? And so... <laughs> His idea was this, is that while he was cutting the tree with the chainsaw on the bottom, we had already climbed up and we attached a rope to the top of the tree. That rope went out to another tree, which there was a pulley on that that ran the other direction, where it was attached to a tractor, and I sat on the tractor. And when he was cutting that down, I would run the tractor forward, and that would pull the tree exactly and precisely where we needed it to go every single time. We tackled it together, and because of that, we were a lot more successful I didn't lose any more bedroom windows after that because we tackled it together. I'm saying we have got to tackle this together. Truly have to tackle this together. A guy named John Alexander, uh, not Jonathan Alexander from North Shore, but a guy who wrote a book called Being Church wrote this. He said, mission, this is our mission, making disciples without community, without doing it together, will burn you out. Will burn you out. And we have a handful of people that are burned out right now and they need reinforcements. So wisdom says, pick a spot. And here's the deal. When we do it together, the load gets lighter. Does it not? I'll chop here, you chop here. And then you chop here. And we do this together. And pretty soon this will be sawdust. You know what I'm saying? And the great commission will never be ended until Jesus comes back. But I want to make the biggest dent that I can possibly make for the kingdom until that time comes. And I want to do it Together, I've told you this from the very beginning. I do not want to do this church alone. I have no desire to do that whatsoever. We want to tackle it together, but like I'm saying, we need some reinforcements. All right, last thing, last principle my dad told, told me when we were going through this was one was repeat until complete. So once you choose that spot, you keep swinging in that same spot. Repeat until complete. That's one swing after another. The way you get through a log is with one swing after another. The way you run a marathon is one step, one, one step after another. You may have heard this before, but the way that you eat an elephant is one bite at a time. Repeat until complete. Over and over again. Here's what God's word says about it. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if, here it is, we do not give up. Think about this. 
The road to Golgotha, the road to the cross, Jesus took how? One step at a time. And when he got to the very end and they lifted him up on that cross, what did he say? It is finished. Friends, repeat until complete. Wisdom says pick a spot, right? Choose a place to serve. Let's do it together. You got your spot. I got my spot. We're right next to each other side by side. And then repeat until complete. And we'll make a big impact for the kingdom. So here's my ask. What we got, I'll get practical first and then I'll, I'll go a different direction. Practical is this. We made these. We have noticed that we have a serving problem going on at our church. So what we actually create, maybe you saw it on your way in, what is called a connect wall. And what has happened is we will ask and we'll throw out these needs and then everybody will go home and we think you're going to jump online and we're going to get into this, but we forget when we walk out of this room. We forget to take action, right? Especially today. We're going to walk out of here and then it's all Seahawks right after this, right? We know that. And don't worry, we'll be out on time. We'll be fine. But the hope is, is we created these explanations of what the different teams are that you can be a part of. We need help on every single team. And the idea would be that you would read the next steps and then you would fill it out, and then you would rip it off, and then you would put it inside of the box over there at the connection wall. That's the hope, because these team leads and these team members, they need help. So my, I, my ask for you is read through that. Look at what stands out to you, and let's serve together, right? Let's serve together. We're called to serve. Let's serve together. So maybe you are here, and you are burned out. Because I talked about that. Maybe you're one of the few that were with us from the very beginning and you've been serving, serving, serving. Here's what I want to tell you. First thing I said to you before, thank you, thank you, thank you. But help is on the way, okay? And you can keep serving in the trenches and keep fighting in the trenches when you know that you have reinforcements coming, when you know that, that they're on their way. So please continue to serve Jesus with faithfulness. If you need a break, let us know. We would love to give you a break. Uh, here's the next part. The next one is this. Maybe we've been, uh, maybe you're here and you've been uh, burned out by a church before. Maybe it's even our church. I will say this, truly, I mean this. I'm so sorry that's the case, but our job as pastors is to protect people from being burned out. And I don't know if we've done the best job at that, to be quite frank with you. So put that on our shoulders. But as a pastor and as a leadership team, we're saying we need more help. So help us in this. The leaders are prepared. The team leaders are prepared to bring you on in and, and, to, and to give you a place to serve. Lastly, if you've never picked up an axe, okay? If you've never picked up an axe and you've never served for Jesus and served in his ministry, I, am, I beg you to pick one up and to swing with us and join us in the work. Here's why you do it. Number one, obedience. Jesus said, I didn't come to serve, but to, to, to be served, but to serve. It's the same thing here. That was the example set for us. That's, he wants us to serve. Yeah, it's one, of our, it's one of the purposes he's given us in our life. That's why when you serve people who are in need, that you feel this sense of, ah, oh, that felt good, right? There's a sense of satisfaction when you serve because in the core of who you are, that's what you were made to do. It's not everything you were made to do. We were made to worship. We were made to grow. We were made to connect with one another. But we were made to serve. And so when you serve others, there's this satisfaction level that comes through the roof. Not only that, probably the number one complaint I hear in this church 
is this, is that I don't feel connected. Do you want to know the best way that you can connect? Yes. Serve. Thank you, David, for asking. <laughs> so one of the best ways, I was talking with Michael just this little bit ago, and he says, you should have said that in first service. So I'm saying it now, you know. He says that when the children leave his room, out of the children's room, the kids' room, all the leaders look at each other and they just go, oh, we did it, you know? And they've formed a community because they've gone through hell together, you know? <laughs> it's amazing. If you want to be connected in ministry and connected at this church, serve. Not only that, you will find more satisfaction and more fulfillment in your walk. You'll grow like you've never grown before. And so I beg you, if you've never picked up an axe, pick, out, pick an axe up and serve. Let's make an impact together, a real impact. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray.